Okay, we are, we are studying in the book of Genesis, and last week I went through the background of Genesis. And I'm going to reiterate a couple of things. Last week, uh, uh, um, Daniel Tavani pointed out to me, and, and so did a couple other people, that, that I, I, I set a date wrong. And I, collected, I corrected that in the audio that I finally posted, but we know the time of the writing of the book of Genesis, uh, because in 1 Kings chapter 6, verse 1, it says that... The fourth year of Solomon's reign was 480 years since the children of Israel had come out of Egypt. And we know that that Solomon's reign, we know the date of Solomon's reign. So that means that this book of Genesis, the the Tanakh, the the first five books of the Bible, uh, it was between 1446 and 1406 B.C. Last week I said... 446 and 406. No, but it's 1446 and 1406 BC was the date. It was in that 40 year period that these five books, the first five books of the Bible, that Moses put these together. Moses, remember, was not an eyewitness to the book of Genesis, but he compiled it, and God was speaking to him, and he was the compiler of it. The book of Genesis is cited 165 times in the New Testament, so we have New Testament confirmation. Genesis 1 through 11, chapters 1 through 11 are cited a hundred times in the New Testament. So this portion, many people would like to say, you know, this is just a bunch of nonsense. This is cited a hundred times in the New Testament. You want to throw out the New Testament too? Jesus spoke about it. Jesus himself cites Genesis six times. He cites Genesis. Jesus tells us in John chapter 5, you do not believe me because you do not believe Moses. If you had believed Moses, you would have believed me. So he didn't say, if you had believed a group of rabbis who wrote this in in the 7th century BC, you would have believed me. No, he wrote specifically that it was Moses. He He said specifically, Moses wrote this. If you had believed Moses, you would have believed me. So, So the scriptures, the scriptures that we have, Jesus confirms that these things were written by Moses. There are events that took place that that we have other substantiation of. For example, the Babylonian and the Assyrians predate uh, 1446, talking about the flood, the same flood account. But they bring in other things. But what Moses did is he... He brought in he brought in real understanding so that so that there were no mistakes in this because there were a lot of other things that they threw into it. But it's no surprise that in human history, when there was a great flood, that it would be reported in in other areas. So let's look at verse one of Genesis chapter one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This may be one of the most well-known sentences in all the world. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This is the verse that was read when they first landed on the moon. They opened up the Bible and they read this verse. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then you can stand back and just ask all the beginning of what? Beginning of time? Beginning of everything? Who's speaking? Who's speaking here? Because in the book of Genesis, when when it says... It will say, and God said, and God said, and the Lord said. But here, there's just this booming presentation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In Hebrew, this is seven words. 
This is seven words, and it's, it's uh, uh, because in the beginning is, is, is just one word in, in Hebrew. And, and uh, this is the, this, this idea of, of, of completeness. He created everything. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God created it. God is the one who did it. Uh, what he does in this one verse is he, is he just talks about so many things that put everything else to rest. For example, atheism he puts to rest. There is a God. He's a personal God. He did this. God created. It's not like he stood back and said, let, it, let somebody else do this. Let a bunch of slaves put this together. Let a bunch of angels put this together. God created the heavens and the earth. He is a personal God. He puts to rest atheism. He puts together, he puts to rest agnosticism, which says it is impossible to know if God exists. Right here it says, God did this. He puts to, to rest pantheism, where pantheism says God is all apart. God is this chair. God is this easel. God is this. God, God is in everything. No, it says God is separate from the creation. God created the heavens and the earth. And remember, Jesus, Jesus predates all of this because it says in John chapter 1, He was in the beginning with God. He already was in the beginning. So you're saying God is just creating the heavens and the earth. Jesus already was. He's already been there, it tells us in John chapter 1. He later became flesh, but in the beginning he was right there. So he puts, together, he puts to rest materialism, where, where matter is the only reality. Before there was heaven and earth, God was. He puts to rest dualism, the, the whole idea of good and evil. There's only God, only God is there. He puts to rest, rest humanism, that, that reality is measured by, by, by humankind. And uh, uh, that's not, not true at all. God is, the, is, is not man, and He's the ultimate reality. The word here for God is Elohim. Elohim. Elohim, so, so for example, when I speak with my, my granddaughter who lives in Israel, uh, um, if there's a cat, she loves these cats. They have stray cats all over in Israel, and it's great because if they didn't have those, there'd be rats all over. So, so there's stray cats all over, and they're... You know, some people feed them, some people don't, and, and, but they're all around. And so she loves these little cats. And, and, uh, uh, um, and so, so I'll say, oh, a katula, katula, which is cat. Well, if there's more than one cat, it's, it's katulin, katulin. There's more than one cat. This idea of Elohim, this is this plural union. This leaves open the door for the Trinity right from the beginning. Right from the beginning, it leaves it open. Elohim, this idea of pluralness within this God. And so, so if we think, so, so for example, I posted the first lesson of this last week on the internet, and somebody wrote to me and they said, you've got to listen to this message by, by this person that I really admire. And so a lot of people send me things, and you've you got to listen to this message, you've got to read this book, and I get books. I would say almost every day somebody sends me a book. Now what am I going to do with that? Can I read all the books? Obviously not. And, and I usually will send them a note of thanks for the book, but I can't read all the books that get sent to me. And, and uh, um but this guy said, you've got to listen to this. I heard your teaching in Genesis. You've got to hear my pastor. So I listened to his pastor. His pastor talked about 
10 different views on Genesis chapter 1, on the creation story. 10 different Christian views on Genesis chapter 1. I'm not going to do that. And he was just going through these PowerPoint slides. It's up on YouTube. There are lots of different views on Genesis chapter 1. Let me just give you a, a short composite. Some people wholeheartedly believe that, that the earth and everything in it, the universe, everything in it is less than 10,000 years old. And all of this happened. And if, if you date this thing back, it goes back about 7,000 years. And they think that that's beyond going back more than 7,000 years, that that's all there is. That's often termed young earth creationism. There's another group which is called Old Earth Creationism, where God created the heavens and the earth, but it's much older than 10,000 years because when he speaks of day, when he speaks of one day and then a second day, a third day, that those days are more than 24-hour days. Now, now, now the, whole, the whole idea of day, this whole idea of day is, is actually has, uh, uh, there's three different ways even in the scriptures that it's used. Sometimes a day is used as a 24-hour day or relative to this solar uh, 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 movement that we have. It's a 24-hour solar-based sort of day. There's another way where the, it's, it's, a, it's a period set apart for a purpose. So, for example, you have the Day of Atonement. It doesn't mean that that Day of Atonement was just one day. There was a Day of Atonement. It was a certain period set aside for a certain purpose. And then there was another one, which was a period of time. It could be long or short, and that was for some revealed purpose. The Day of the Lord. It's the Day of the Lord, the Scriptures say. Okay, so now every other day since that day, it's not the Day of the Lord. So uh, uh, Jesus, Jesus said, Behold, today is the Day of Salvation. Well, Jesus said that 2,000 years ago, so... No longer the day of salvation. So even in the scriptures, it uses the word day in several different ways. Now, what you will find in this is that people who are younger creationists are often dogmatic about that this whole thing, everything is less than 10,000 years old. People who are old earth creationists are equally dogmatic that this is much more than 10,000 years old. And they will usually quote the number that, that scientists will say 14.8 billion years for the, the, the universe and 4.8 billion years for the earth. And they are dogmatic about that. And, and never the twain shall meet. And, and uh, uh, the young earth creationists think that the old earth creationists are preaching heresy. To them, it is absolute heresy to think that, that this whole thing could be more than about 7,000 years old. And they think that anybody who preaches it is compromising the gospel and doing many other things. They think that the old earth creationists are heretics. The old earth creationists do not think that young earth creationists are heretics. They just think they're stupid. All right? And, and, and uh, uh, this is just the way it is. So, so for example, if, if, if uh, um, my daughter grew up going to Christian school and then she went to Rice and she took a, 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 a geology course... And the professor said, how old is the earth? And she said, and she said, 7,000 years. And everybody just looked at her like, <laughs> just totally ignored her. But that's what she came out of Christian school thinking. And now she goes into a geology class at Rice and says that. And, and, uh, and she learned very quickly that at Rice, nobody thinks that. All right. So, so, um, 
this, this is the two camps that you will see. And I'm not here to change you. Whatever you are, you can stay that. But what I will tell you, regardless of what you think on this point, it doesn't change the fact that Jesus is the way of salvation. When it says in Romans chapter, chapter, uh, when it says in Romans that you, that, that we are to confess Jesus as Lord and believe in the heart that He's risen from the dead and you shall be saved. That is the essence of salvation. That we are confessing that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that He's risen from the dead, you shall be saved. It doesn't say you have to believe the earth is 7,000 years old or you have to believe that the earth is an old earth. It doesn't say that you have to even believe in the virgin birth. It doesn't say that. It doesn't even say that you have to believe in Adam and Eve. It says that we must believe that Jesus is Lord. Be willing to confess that and believe in the physical resurrection of the dead. Believing in the resurrection of the dead. That is the essence of salvation. So whatever you want to believe on this, I'm just telling you, it does not affect your salvation. Now, the, often the young earth creationists will say that, no, if you're compromising on what this book says, the literal meaning. Well, we looked last week at three different verses. Two verses in the Bible that say that the earth has been set upon its pillars. Well, is the earth on pillars? And it, and, 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 and it doesn't move at all? The earth doesn't move? Or do the pillars move with it? I mean... Jesus said, I am the door. All right? Is Jesus really a physical door? No, I thought he was a man. God come in the flesh. No, he's a door. He says he's a door. Well, so we, we leave room for allegory within the Bible. Everybody does. And so if you say that if you extend this beyond 24 hours, now I'll give you another theory. Gerald Schroeder, you, it doesn't matter how you spell his name, but it's Gerald with a G and the last name Schroeder. Schroeder's a very hard name to spell. But you spell it anyway and you type in Gerald Schroeder, Age of the Universe in Google. You will get his theory on this. And he's, he's a Jew and a physicist, a PhD physicist, and he lives in Jerusalem. It's a very interesting theory. But what's great about his theory is the old earth creationists and the young earth creationists are both right. Ah, uh, how can they both be right? Because time is relative. So, so we know that we have an expanding universe. In other words, that, that the planets are getting further and further apart. Our, our universe is expanding. So in this expansion, so if it started at the Big Bang, or it started at the beginning, and it started on outward, where you are in this expansion changes time. It changes time. So we know that tomorrow will be a longer day than today. And I'm not talking about because of the season. I'm talking about we are going to be further from the sun and from the other planets as we spread out. So tomorrow will be a very small amount longer of a day than it is today. All right? So in other words, we know from Einstein's theory that time is relative to where you are in the universe. So if you're just at the beginning of the expansion... Things are taking place in a way that when we look back at it, it looks like a long period of time. But when you're there at the beginning of the expansion of the universe, it doesn't look like a long period of time because time is relative to where you are on the universe. Remember I told you there's lots of different theories on this? For those of you that are science-oriented, for those of you that are physics and astronomy-oriented, that's a really nice one to look at because it's a very interesting theory. And other people have tracked that back to the different creation 
events that, that take place here. But this verse 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. This verse, crea- this word created, there's only three creation events in this whole opening portion. We talk about, no, he created on each day. Well, actually, it says, and it became visible, or it appeared. But the actual creation, this word created, is only here in verse 1, and then it is again, it, it it is used again in verse 21, and God created great whales and great, great sea creatures and every living creature. That's in verse 21, and again in verse 27, so God created. So there may only be three creation events. This whole idea of creation uh, 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 from nothing, ab initio, just from the beginning. This whole idea, it's only used three times. The other acts were, and it appeared. And so what I'm going to give you, since I could give you more than ten different views. So in other words, that pastor gave ten different Christian views on this opening portion in Genesis. I'm not going to do that. I gave you one that he didn't even have, which was, which was Schroeder's. I'm going to give you probably one of the mainline Christian views on this portion. But remember, I'm not trying to convert any of you because to me it doesn't matter where you are on this spectrum. 7,000 years or 14.8 billion years doesn't matter a bit to me. You say, well, where are you on this? Where am I on this? Well, it depends who I speak to last. You know, I, so, so I, just, I just don't tell people where I am generally. I say, you, you know, young, young earth creation, you got a good point. And, and, uh, and, and so we'll start looking at this, and old earth, you know, you got a good point. And, and so I don't like to be real committed because to me it doesn't make a big difference. So, for example, it's the same reason that I don't talk about politics when I stand before you. Because it doesn't matter whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, to me, I want you saved. I want you saved. Doesn't matter where you are on that spectrum. You can be ultra liberal or ultra conservative. Doesn't matter to me. I'm not trying to convert you to any of that. I'm trying to convert you to obedience to Jesus Christ. And so it says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And then in verse 2, and the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the earth, of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Okay, so there is a change. Now, I'm not a Hebrew scholar. So all I can do is read the scholars. What the scholars show is that there is a break between verse 1 and verse 2. It is not a continuation. It is not, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And that earth that He created was such and such. So let me, I'm going to, I'm going to go back and, 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 and I've got, I've got the King James in front of me open, but let me go back and, and read this, read this in, in the New American Standard. It says, uh, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void and darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. This change, the earth was formless and void, is not a continuation grammatically of verse 1, but Starting a new thought. So that's one, one data point there. The other thing is, it says the earth was formless and void. But we have to look at another verse here. There's, there's, there, there's another interesting verse here that I want to take a look at. And that's in, uh, in, I think I, 
have it right here. Isaiah, Isaiah 45. Let's look at Isaiah 45, verse 18. So other scriptures reveal to us things that may not be in a particular portion. So if we go to Isaiah 45, verse 18, it says, For thus says the Lord who created heavens and earth, He is the God who formed the earth and made it. He established it and did not create it a waste place, but formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is none else. It says in Isaiah, He didn't create it a waste place. It says in verse 2 of, of Genesis that it was without form and void. Darkness was upon the face of the earth. So it looks like a waste place. That is not the sense that you get from verse 1. The sense that you get is God did everything. It doesn't seem like it starts out, there's a, there, there, there's a disconnection here between verse 1 and verse 2. Well, why did it become a, a waste place? So remember, what I'm giving you is mainline Christian thought. You can go to what's called the Schofield Bible. Actually, this is my Schofield Bible. So Schofield Bible, that, that gives you mainline Christian thought, which has been around for 150 years on this sort of matter, as scholars have put this together, because I'm not a scholar in the scriptures. I'm just a, I, I just teach chemistry, you know, and just, when it comes to, 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 to the Bible, I just do the best I can. But the scriptures give us, give us new thoughts. So, so if we look at Ezekiel 28, so you go to Ezekiel 28, there's another thought about this. And so why did it become a waste place? So if you go to Ezekiel 28, verse 12, there is a prophecy concerning the king of Tyre, but then it extends beyond the king of Tyre. Extends obviously beyond him. Son of man, take up a lamentation over the king of Tyre and say to him, Thus says the Lord God, you had the seal of perfection. Well, we know the king of Tyre could not have had the seal of perfection. He wasn't perfect. Just a, nobody's perfect, you know. You had the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. So I thought he creates Eden later. He creates this garden of Eden for, for mankind. No, it says, it says that, that there's someone here who was perfect, full of wisdom and perfection. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The ruby, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx and the jasper, the lapis lazuli, the turquoise and the emerald. The gold and the workmanship of your setting and, and sockets was in you. On the day that you were created, they were prepared. So God created a perfect being at some point. A perfect being that He created Him. Remember, Jesus is not created. He is God. He's always been there. But He created this being. You were anointed cherub who covers. And I placed you there. What's a cherub? A cherub is like an angel but higher ranking. Cherub, there's, there's, there's a few cherubs. They, you know, they had these images of the cherubs covering the ark. So this is, this is actually speaking of Satan. Satan started out as an anointed cherub. So he says, uh, uh, <clears throat> you were the anointed cherub who covers, and I placed you there. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked in the midst of the stones of fire. You were blameless in your ways from the days you were created until unrighteousness was found in you. 
By the abundance of your trade, you were internally filled with violence and you sinned. Therefore, I have cast you out as profane from the mountain of God and I have destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom by reason of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I put you before kings that they may see you. And there are other verses in uh, Jeremiah 4.28, Isaiah 14. Uh, 12 through 15, and Revelation 12, 4, and Isaiah 14, yeah, there again, Isaiah, uh, I doubled up here, but Isaiah tw- uh, uh, 14, 12 through 15, that talk about the falling of Satan, how one third of the angels fell with him. One third of the angels. So you say, who are demons? Where did they come from? They're fallen angels. This may be the period of the fall. Because it was created in beauty, he was set in that garden. And then there is this Void period. This is not Jim Tour's view. This is Schofield Bible. This is a lot of Christian thought in this view. That that is the waste period. And it's in this waste period that some believers like to place the dinosaurs and all the bones we find that have this marking. That there is this... You say, well, I thought all of this happened in one day. Maybe so, maybe not. Maybe the one day that he's talking about. So if you, if you look at, at verse 3. And then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw, in verse 4, God saw that the light was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the, called the light day. And the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were, the, were, were one day. You know, it's interesting. If you look, if you look at uh, any, any modern translation here, so if I go back and I, and I, and I read the, uh, the, the, uh, the New American Standard, it, it says of this, this, this first day, it says one day. It is one day. Everything else after this is there was a second day, a third day. But it doesn't say first day. It chooses a different word. It says one day and then everything else is second day, third day, fourth day, fifth day, sixth day. There were six days in God's creation. The first day is called one day. So again, there might be a hint here that it is a different amount of time, a different time period. And then he, he, says, he says in verse 3, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. In other words, let light be revealed. God says, uh, then God said, let there be light, and there was light. Let there be light. In other words, it's a different word than the created in verse 1. Than the created when he created the animal kingdom. Than the created when he created humans. It is a different word there. It is, that word gives you the sense of, let it become visible. Let it appear. So you say, because, remember, the plants are going to come afterward, and the sun doesn't come until, un, until day four. Well, how can you have plants without the sun? How can that be? We'll talk about that the next time. All right? But it makes perfect sense when you, start to, when, when you say that it was revealed. In other words, the sun was already dear, there, but there was just blackness covering because of this fall. Just total blackness. The sun was still there, and now he lets light be revealed. Just light. If you stand on any other planet that we know of, any other planet that human beings know of. If you stand on any other planet and you look up to the stars, you know what you see? Anybody know? What? Nothing. Yeah, you see clouds. 
You see atmosphere. You see nothing. This is the planet where you can look up and see things. There is an atmosphere over every other planet. You can't see anything. Sometimes the atmosphere is so thick it is just black there. Just black. If you were to look, there's, there's no light that gets through. Other planets, there's light that can come through, but you can't see the stars. This is an amazing place where we get to look up at the heavens and see what's out there. And, and so it may well be that the sun was already there. But now because of this blackness, this, this, this uh, uh, destruction that took place, there was this covering whether it be dirt or whatever it was, and now he's removed that covering, and now you can, you can have day and night. But you don't see it until day four when he clears away the clouds, and now you have the sun, and the sun comes out. That can help to explain this. But anyway, this, this is a rich portion. But we're going to close with this. The amazing thing is, he makes the sun, the moon, and the stars, which don't come until day four, subservient to everything else. All sorts of other religions want to worship the sun, want to worship the moon, want to worship the stars. And he says, he puts them in their rightful place. They are not the first. It is God created the heavens and the earth. And what else is is here? The striking thing is that this is not due to the fighting, the warring of two gods, the boom, the earth formed. Or this is not due to the, the birth from some god. This is the, 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 that the earth and people are the child of some, some god. No, he puts all that to rest. And he puts our focus right on him. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It was not due to some warring in the heavens between gods that formed all of this. And then remember in John chapter 5, in John chapter 1, it says that Jesus was in the beginning with God. He was already there. And then in John chapter 1, verse 14, He became flesh and He dwelt among us. Everything goes back to Christ. It says everything. He was in the beginning with God. Nothing was created that was not created by Him. He created everything. Everything you see is because of Jesus Christ. It all goes back to the Son of God, to the One who saves us, to the One to whom we can appeal, and salvation comes. Salvation comes through Him the very creator of the universe. He is a personal God. Think of this. Think of a better picture. How could you ever have anything that shows more kindness than God giving His Son? For anyone who's a parent, you know that you would give your life a hundred times for your child. If there's danger, you push the kid out of the way. You want to hurt me? Hurt me. Don't hurt my child. You sacrifice for your child. God takes the image of taking His child and giving his child for his enemies. We are enemies of the cross. That picture, that picture of God doing this is the ultimate in what God can do to show his love for us. So I say, don't sit there and think that, oh, well, maybe someday I'll become a Christian. Don't let this day go. You don't know that you'll have another chance. You don't know it. Come to the Lord today. Come to the Lord. Jesus is the creator of the universe. Jesus is the one that has done this. God the Father, the one who did everything and created all of this, is so personal that he takes his son and gives him for us. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the truth of your word, for the truth of the word of God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 
Father, I pray, first of all, for the unbelievers who are here. In Jesus' name, I pray for them. That they would give their hearts to Jesus. That they would confess with their mouth this day, Jesus is Lord. And that they believe in the heart that he's been risen from the dead. And that they would get saved. Father, that the truth of the gospel would go forth. And Lord, I pray for the believers here. That you would keep them from getting so excited about one, one side or the other side that they'd, they'd start getting upset at other believers that don't believe the things from Genesis like they believe. That you'd learn, they'd learn to put this in right perspective. That there's a few important things in life and that's that Jesus is Lord and that he's risen from the dead. And beyond that, it's not worth fighting with brothers and sisters over this. Father, I pray for these young lives that they would start out well and walk in this in the name of Jesus. Father, walk in the, walking in the truth of Jesus Christ. Father, your mercies be upon these young people. And Lord, as many of them are going to be leaving and graduating and have gone and others leaving for the summer, Father, protect them, I pray. Lord, your mercies be there with them. For the glory of Jesus and in his name, amen.